Good morning and welcome to another episode of Voices to Dream. I'm Suzanne Mann, the Challenge Girl, and I have a beautiful guest today, Miss Mrs. Lindsay Ireland. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you, Suzanne. I am really and truly honored and thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. Now, Lindsay is Lindsay, how did I meet Lindsay? I met Lindsay via a friend at school who said, who had listened to the podcast and said, I think you really might like to speak to Lindsay. And she gave me Lindsay's book. Lindsay has written a book called Why Not Me? This is here. You can find it for anyone who's listening on the audio as well. Why Not Me by Lindsay Ireland, available on Amazon. It is, yeah, yeah. Barnes and Noble and Amazon, and it can be ordered in by independent bookstores. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, when I first got Lindsay's book, so Lindsay is from Lindsay is living in the Bahamas, and I think one of the things that struck me the most was that if you looked at Lindsay from an outside sort of perspective, Canadian beautiful woman who now lives in the Bahamas, beautiful area. You just think she has the perfect life. Okay. And one of the things that really this book highlighted for me is exactly what this podcast is about. The importance of telling our stories, the importance of understanding that you never really know what's going on in someone's life, whether it's what's gone on in their life before or what they've gone through today. You know, you might see them, they're in a foul mood and you're thinking it's all about you, but you don't know what's gone on in their life. And so for me, it's it really highlighted the importance of tolerance, you know, communication and compassion you know, having a greater amount of those things for other people. So I am so excited to talk to everyone and to talk to Lindsay about the book. But before we start, so you're all going to have to wait to figure out what what there is there (laughs) about Lindsay that's intriguing. Before we start, I wanted to just check in and see how Lindsay, how you're checking in today. How are you feeling? I I want to start by saying I love your check-ins. I really love that because, first of all, you you took a lot of the great messages from my book that I hope people would take from it. But that thing about communication and actually really listening and really checking in with someone and not just giving the flip. And sometimes you do get the flip. I'm fine if you're just, you know, don't know the person well or whatever. But every single morning, my husband asked me how my sleep was. And he checks in like first thing when we first wake up. And and without fail, whether we're apart or together or whatever, because sleep mm-hmm. is so important to your well-being and your state of mind. And for me, my various health challenges. Um, so ha- I slept well. <laughs> beautiful. Chris, Chris, if you're listening, uh, it's a beautiful day in Toronto. And I'm just really excited to be here. I have a little bit of nervous energy, too, because like, Podcasts are not my daily thing that I do. I've done one before and it hasn't aired yet. So I feel 
really excited to be here. And yeah, life is good. I'm feeling happy to be in Toronto too. It's a little change from the Bahamas. I'm spending my whole summer here. Mm -hmm. So it's cooler, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm very well. Oh, I'm so glad. And, and you know what? I was actually thinking because you had, like you'd mentioned that you might be a little bit nervous or something. And anyone who has seen my Instagram story this week, <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll know that Lindsay and I had never met. I've been here for nearly a year now, never met. We're kids, our kids go to the same school, but they're not in the same grade. And it was the biggest coincidence that on the weekend, we both just happened to walk into the same store that is not even near our houses on the other side of the island. <laughs> and I all love cottage I hadn't been there in over a year it was some sort of serendipity like it was really lovely it was so nice and I was I was actually thinking afterwards I thought you know what I feel like this was so again yeah we you felt comfortable with me and and it was one of those moments as well I said to I came home and said to my Chris it was one of those times when I knew I only had like 10 minutes, but I swear I could have spoken to Lindsay for like three hours and I was just talking so fast and trying to get it all out <laughs> because we had an instant connection as well. So it was so beautiful and it was, it was the magic of the universe. So I'm so I grateful. Felt <laughs> I, I felt really grateful and it was like an icebreaker. Yeah. It was really, it was really, really strange timing of all the days yeah. and all the hours or minutes that we could have been in that store together it yeah. was great I loved it, was, it. it was I very cool it. yeah <laughs> me too me too well now I'm going to get you to introduce yourself but I just I, and today everyone I'm going to be reading quotes left right and center from this book because I really loved it and it really touched me and truth the truth of the matter is that I opened it up and there's an introduction page and I fell in love with it, with the introduction, Lindsay. I Thank really you. did. And I'm just going to read like the first line and then the last few lines of this for everyone so that you get a feel for why I fell in love with it. It's called Images of War. Sometimes I feel as if my body is a battlefield and then I'm going to go to the end. I have come to terms with the external battle scars I actually appreciate the outlook on life they have afforded me. The internal damage has been difficult to assess. Peace has been hard won by sifting through the rubble in my mind and evaluating the struggle with open eyes. I fell in love. I'm like, what is this book about? <laughs> I need to know your story. Lindsay, who is Lindsay Ireland? Oh, okay. I'll start. Who is Lindsay Ireland? You started. <laughs> you've got you've got an entire book. Can you just sum that up in like five I minutes? Know. <laughs> Who is Lindsay Ireland? So my husband always says, "Oh, you're so complicated." I'm not that complicated. I'm not more complicated than anybody else. We all wear <laughs> so many hats, right? Men, yeah. women, all of us. So I'll start by saying I'm a 53 year old woman, almost 54. I put my age in there because a lot of people are scared about sharing their age, especially women, because, you know, we all have to look a certain way and blah, blah, blah. Um, I feel so blessed to be 53. Every birthday is a gift. 
Um, no, I don't love seeing the wrinkles, but it's like, you know, a well-loved book with its creases, you know, I, I feel very well-loved. Um, I wear many hats. My first thing I always think of myself is as a mother. Um, I'm a stepmother and a mother, uh, wife, sister, uh, you know, friend, cousin, aunt, all the things that we are, they're all very, very important to me. And I feel blessed to have all those different roles. Um, I love nature. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk, especially, and I want to say the last 10 years about the healing power of nature, mm. just very organically. I've been utilizing that since I was a kid, not knowing what I was doing, but just, I always feel happier when I'm outside and I really take in fresh air. And I've just, I probably do it more now because I'm, as I get older, I'm being more intentional about it because, yeah. it, you know, you just are right. But um, I do, I, I, I don't wear headphones when I walk my dog. I really take in my surroundings, whether I'm in you know, we lived in Halifax for a couple of years, whether I'm in the cold of Halifax, Toronto City, or the beauty of the Bahamas, I'm really taking in what's around me and just feeling grateful for being part of this big, beautiful universe. And there's beauty in everything, right? So um, I try to stay active. So um, I love, I love swimming, especially in the Bahamas, because I can't do anything too active outdoors. It's too hot for me. So yeah. I, yeah, back to my swimming, yoga, I do my stretching by the pool, I try and stretch every day. Um, I love feeling connected. And I think because of what I've been through with my health, I'm very connected to my body and its intricacies. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm wearing a shirt with lemons and I didn't do that on purpose. And my first <laughs> chapter is called, I like lemonade, but I really do think we can like, like, no, I didn't do it on purpose. I promise. But I, I realized today, I'm like, oh my I goodness, love that. I have a handful of clothes here. Right. I said, that <laughs> uh, I do, I believe in the whole making lemonade out of lemons. And so with all the challenges I've gone through in my health, that of being more in touch with my body and how I feel is also a gift. I don't ignore, ignore things the way some people might. Mm -hmm. And of course I do sometimes, I'm just a regular person, right? But in general, I'm pretty in touch with, with that stuff. Um, so that's kind of me in my day-to-day -day life. And I'd, I'd be remiss. The book really isn't all about me doing yoga. It's about, you know, I have health challenges. So since I was 11, this, I, I mentioned it last because it doesn't define it, you. It doesn't define me. Yeah. So it definitely affects me on a daily basis, but not, it doesn't define me. I don't feel like it defines me in any way. So lastly, I've had an ileostomy since I was 11 and went through very traumatic childhood illness that ended up with that ileostomy. It was life-saving surgery. And there were several surgeries after that. Can you explain um, what an ileostomy is? So my colon became, it was very, it was fast and furious. My colon became uh, diseased when I was 11 and I started having 
uh, symptoms of, you know, some cramps. It started off very mild, some no cramping really, just a little bit of blood in my stool. And then it gradually progressed that we went to the doctor. So um, for an ileostomy, your whole colon, my whole colon became inflamed and had to be removed. And so then they, they, um, they remove your whole colon. So that's the big part of your intestine. And then my small intestine is a little opening was made in my stomach and it's rerouted. So you have this thing called a stoma. It's about that size. That's why I keep doing this, um, where your stool comes out of that and you have an appliance on your stomach and you go poo, <laughs> you go to the yeah. bathroom yeah. through a bag that, uh, that you empty. So that's, um, that's my short and short and dirty version of the ileostomy. So I've had that since I was since 11. You're 11. Yeah. Yeah. A long time. Um, and then, then in my thirties, I started, uh, experiencing some symptoms that were in line with multiple sclerosis and no one thought I would have multiple sclerosis. They're like, Oh, you know, she's been through enough. Like it's probably a pinched nerve, something like that. I knew, I, I knew, and this is another thing, trust your instincts, right? Yeah. I did. I, I had a feeling it was more than that. So again, cause I had, even back then I had a good sense of my body. So I've lived with multiple sclerosis since I think I was 32, uh, yeah, 22 years. So I'm turning 54. Um, and then recently, like five years ago, I was diagnosed with primary, primary sclerosing cholangitis. PSC is much easier to say. It is a disease of the liver. It's a narrowing of the bile ducts of the liver. And so far, I'm gonna touch some wood here. I haven't had any major symptoms of that. It was a secondary diagnosis. It's because I went in for bowel obstruction and they saw that. So I can't speak that much to PSC because quite honestly, I don't know that much about it. And I feel very hopeful that it won't affect things too much. Everything I do for my MS is actually helpful for PSC too. My, right. my diet that I do, and obviously, you know, keeping active and all the things that, you know, really we all should be doing for our health, <laughs> but I don't, I, I do because it really helps my MS a lot. Uh, also is good for PSC. So um, yeah, those things, that's three autoimmune diseases and they don't define me, but my MS probably affects me the most. A lot of people think, oh, the ostomy, but I've lived with the ostomy since I was 11. I barely yeah. remember not having an ostomy, to be perfectly honest. I, yeah, it's, I don't want to say it's not a big deal because people who have just got an ostomy or something listening to this, it is a big deal but it's something that you can adapt to. And I have, it doesn't slow me down. Yeah. Oh. And I, I feel like everyone, even in just hearing you speak about everything then would get a bit of a gist as to, I mean, how you live your life. And, and again, the, some of the lessons that we're going to talk about that are in this book, because I mean, any one of those things would, would knock, well, uh, like I feel would knock most people over, you know, it's, uh, but, but you've got three, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, well, and, and again, we'll talk about why, why it's called, why not me? But That's right. I think one of the things that really, really struck me with the book was, and this is one of the quotes that I'm going to read. 
Bravery to me was the fortitude and strength required to have an honest look at my life and take the road less traveled. Now, this was said as well, partly because in that part of the story, you're talking about how people think that you're so brave just because you have these, you know, you'll have one of those diseases and that you get through it, you know, but you're clearly saying, you know, that's not the bravery part. You know, I just have to, you, you've got to do that. But then actually being able to work through these things in your mind and come out the other side, because I really got that as well. As an 11 year old, you talk a lot about feeling shame, you know, and maybe even at that age, because you were just trying to get through it, not even understanding that it was shame, that, you know, you just wanted to hide it or, you know, you you didn't want to tell people. It's not something you wanted to talk about. And it was something the whole way through the story, you talk about how these are unseen diseases. They're, they're not something that, you know, you've got a broken leg. Someone's going to help you up the stairs. But when you look fine and you're having trouble getting up the stairs and you're a young, fit woman, people are like, well, what's wrong with her? You know? So for me, again, the bravery of you telling your story, and I guess I was wondering, you know, why now? Why would you, why has it taken till now to come out with this and, and tell the story? So there's a lot there. Uh, why now? I think in my fifth, like turning 50 was a huge turning point for me. And then that coupled with COVID, having the time and the energy in lockdown when we couldn't do anything else to write. So I had, so that quote that you read little bits of at the beginning, that was, I was taking a writing course just for fun. I always liked writing, but didn't do it in university. I took psychology, just whatever. And so I was in a nine to five job and I thought I'll take a writing course at Mm -hmm. this university that was close to my job. And that particular assignment, I did really well on it. And the instructor said, you know, you might want to continue writing. You could help people. So the seed was planted there. That was in 2001. Ah. That was when I was first having my MS symptoms, but hadn't been diagnosed. I was going through other stuff too. I had some fertility issues going on. My marriage wasn't super strong. Um, So I was writing as catharsis. I thought I turned that off. Sorry, Suzanne. Um, uh, So um, I put it aside. I put the whole writing thing aside. I started to write then and then life just got busy. And I think having, knowing that I could sit at my dining room table while my husband and son were upstairs doing their school and work and actually spend like seven hours a day just writing and focusing. I have, I get very laser focused when I do things, right? So it was great. I could actually do that to write. And then emotionally turning 50, I don't really, I don't care what people think about me. I'm not worried about that anymore. I mean, I care in that I still wanna be a good person and put put things that I'm proud of out into the world, but, if someone doesn't like it or if it makes them uncomfortable, they don't have to read it. Yeah. And if they want to comment something, you know, nasty on social media, I can take it. Right. It's not about me. It's about them. 
So that's something you learn with age. And like you were saying earlier, you know, people's perceptions change as they get to know you, or hopefully as we get older, we realize that people have things going on underneath. I present as a very healthy person. Like people have said that to someone said it to me recently, like last night, uh, last weekend at dinner, and they were, oh, you know, I, I read your book and I loved your book. And I had no idea, like, look at you so cute in that dress. Who would ever know? Yeah. And I laughed, I laughed and I was like, but that's it. That's totally it. We never know what's going on with other people. And so I felt like if I put it out there, if me who, you know, as you said, people would perceive as having this really, and I do have a really great life, but don't perceive the, don't even think about the other stuff. I thought if I can share that with people and make people feel less alone, because yeah. yes, there are big things like you said. So, you know, getting an ostomy is super scary when you get it. It's been so long for me now, but I know because people have told me since reading the book, which is lovely, I love that it's helped them to feel less alone. And the MS diagnosis, even with having gone through all the, you know, bowel stuff, all those surgeries, I, it was still really scary. You're, mm. you're, you know, it's, you're fearful for your mobility. You don't, I didn't know anything about MS. Um, it's very sort of isolating. Cause again, you look fine. Yeah. People don't understand. And why should they? It's kind of, you don't know what you don't know. So if I didn't know about it, why would they know about That's it? That's right. Why would they know that it is hard for me to walk up the stairs when I'm doing it? Mm -hmm. They don't know the energy required to do it, but why, why should they, unless I tell them? So the book is a way of sharing that for other people going through it for a, to feel less alone and for those diseases to be more understood. Yeah. Um, I think they're both kind of misunderstood. I think people have a really gruesome uh, view of the ostomy mm. and it's, this is why I, you know, when people are going through it as an adult, I was too, like, too, I think, emotionally scarred to do it as a kid, but as an adult, and I've had a lot of therapy, um, if people are going, I just pulled down my, my waistband and showed them a little bit of the bag. So their imagination doesn't run wild with horrors. Yeah. And with mess, it's really nice to be able to say, I've had it for 22 years and I'm still swimming and walking and horseback riding and living like a very full life. I mean, those are, I'm picking three things, traveling tons. A lot of people are thinking, I can't travel with the ostomy or with MS. I travel lots. Um, you know, there are little hacks that you figure out along the way, but there's not that many. Like it's, it's, you just adapt. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to show as an, you know, a woman in their fifties, openness leads to connectedness and really and that's how you lose your shame also so I don't feel like I felt a lot of shame about my bag for quite a few years now but that stayed with me a long time mm. a long time and maybe because I was so young when I got the ostomy it did it kind of imprints on you yeah right um but yeah I wanted I wanted to be able to say hey it's okay right? yeah um, and it's not, it's not 
that it's not hard, but it's, you can adapt and manage. And um, I think the why, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I, I know COVID was awful and all these things, but that was COVID's gift to me. I had the time and the energy. I wasn't running around driving my son to sports and going, (laughs) I was doing a lot of things quite honestly. And this isn't a complaint because I love doing it, but for other people, a lot of events for my husband's work, a lot of, you know, things for my son in his school and everything else. And I could just focus on me and my writing for quite a few months seven or eight hours a day and like my husband would come down for lunch and I'd be like can't talk like you know be quiet at the dining room table because I'm I'm working yeah I treat it like a job yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and, and I actually think I mean I'm I've interviewed quite a few people now who have actually had the same experience you know it was it was a time for them to be able to really contemplate life you know or one of Kevin Kevin Taylor he wrote the manuscript for his movie last resort my last guest uh darren jacklin he wrote his book yeah. as well yeah. so i guess as well I, you know it's a lesson to all of us the again looking at the good that can come out of a bad situation you know right. and and making the best of any situation and truly for i mean i i think everyone should read your book but especially, you know, especially, well, hearing your perspective as a young person as well. And again, this thing of just wanting to be normal. I mean, even my kids say that to me and I'm like, you know what? Everyone feels it even as an adult where, you know, there'll, there'll be times where, I don't know, for me, I've now hit that stage where I'm like, you know what? I'm quite happy to be the abnormal one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> what? Anyway, Suzanne. That's what right. That's right. I'm like, you know what? What's a what's life if there's not a bit of crazy in it? You know. That's right. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just boring. But I think that that's you know again that comes with age. That comes with wisdom and your your self confidence. So I love it. I, I just think that those are really important things. And one of the things, one of that sort of leads me into this one you there's one point where I think it's your mom says to you when you're in hospital um when you're 11 12 and she talks about how she wishes it was her problem to have and it's obviously I I don't think it's not something that you said back to her at that stage but it's something that you then um you know you you refer to and you say it was my journey to muck my way through. And I remember reading that a similar thing in, in another book as well. And I just thought, actually, no, it was, I think it was maybe like one of these, um, I think it was Barbara Coloroso who I interviewed and she spoke about as well, the fact that as parents, we really want to, you know, we'll do anything. We'll do anything to protect our children, but it is their journey. And it's our job to help them with their journey, not to take their journey from them. And I guess in reading that as well, I thought, oh, again, this is such a good lesson for parents. And I was sort of thinking, having that knowledge that you have now, how would that, how does that change how not only you parented your son, 
but also how you advise other parents. So I try not to advise other parents. <laughs> <laughs> but we all get no, in there a bit, don't we? Kidding. But no, I, I totally, I understand what you're saying. And both my mom and dad said that to me, that they wanted, mm. as you do, you would just rather it be you. You'd cut off your right hand for your kid, right? Yeah. But um, as a parent, I think because my self-esteem wasn't great growing up, I have really tried to make sure that my son had a healthy self-esteem. I might have gone overboard at certain points, but it all evens <laughs> out in the wash. And what I think is the universe will, will kick it out of them. I don't have to, right? Yeah. Like the universe will uh, even things out. But I think... Yeah, this whole helicopter parent thing, I've tried my very best because it's kind of where we're at right now, right? Mm. Uh, with parenting, I've really tried my best not to do that. To let Aiden, I don't see them as mistakes. To let my son do, you know, have like failures or mistakes on his own and then talk them through. Or if he sees that things aren't going right, feel like he can come to me. And if he asks for my help, of course I want my instinct is always to give him help. Yeah. I try and, you know, wait till he comes to certain realizations on his own. I mean, a good example is he wasn't doing that well in math in grade, I don't know, grade eight or nine or something. And I said, I really think a tutor could help you. And he said, Oh, I don't need a tutor. I got, I've got this. And then he didn't do well on his next test. And I said, dude, like, just give it a shot. And if you don't like it, we don't have to stay with it. Brought himself up to like 97 or something. Yeah. Right. So things like that. I, I try, it's like leading the horse to water. Well, no, you can't make them drink. Some things maybe you have to make them drink, but most of the time, hopefully they'll come to the decisions on their own and they'll feel empowered. Mm. And this is to me how they gain some independence. Um, and it took me a long time to be able to feel comfortable going into a hospital by myself mm. because my parents had been my protect. And I, I don't think any of us would change that. That's a sort of unique situation. But what you can learn from that is you do have the independence to do it by yourself and the strength to do it yourself. And I felt strong. I felt yeah. like I was really strong even when I was younger, but to actually do the tasks for yourself, then you gain that independence that we all want our kids to have. We, I mean, I'm going to go through the empty nest syndrome wow. in, in the fall, but I really do want to see him spread his wings. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. You know, I don't have any concerns about him flying, but if he crashes a few times, as long as they're not bad crashes, that's how we learn. That's right. Right. So I really, I've never been the mom who does my kids homework or I just tell him do the very best that you can. And as long as you're doing that, mm -hmm. you can, you know, look me in the eye and say, I've given it yeah. my best shot and ask questions, and, you know, and ask questions, ask questions, ask for exactly. help. Yeah. For help. And that's taken him a while. It's taken me a while too, to, 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 get better at but yeah. he's getting better at it too and like the other day he asked my opinion on something he was wearing and it felt like the biggest compliment because usually he's like you know yeah. again I've got this and I'm like oh I I was filled with joy when he asked me about his socks 
<laughs> it sucks. <laughs> a little thing, Suzanne. But any, any sort of connection like that is the same thing with everything, all your relationships. With your kids, obviously, you're there to guide them mm. and you're there to help pick them up when they fall. And, you know, as the ages go, as they get a little older, you change yeah. how you do yeah. that. But um, no, I'm I'm a big believer in in helping them figure it out so they can gain yeah. some independence and inner inner resilience and strength. Yeah, and you know, you I mean, you spoke just earlier now about how I loved this part in the book how you were talking about when you were 11, and they kept talking about getting their stoma put in, but no one showed you. And you talk about how, like, you know, in your mind, you're like, and then they're calling it a rose or something. And you're like, but what is it? Like, you know, and I think it struck me again. It was just another one of those reminders that our kids, you know, sometimes we treat them like they're, you know, little fragile statues. And sometimes they just, you know, they need to, they need the facts, you know, they need to be shown. They have feelings and thoughts that are beyond what we remember. You know, they're not little, they're not little, little people anymore. Um, even things like, I, I, I don't know. And then it reminds me of, you know, how I've had discussions about, you know, using the correct terminology for our anatomy, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that sometimes we make mistakes because we think that yes, kids need to be kept to the side and sheltered but again with your stoma you were saying that you know the best thing that could have happened for you is that if someone had actually shown you you would have so appreciated it and been able to see hey that's if is that what we're talking about <laughs> yeah it would have demystified yeah. things because our imagination has yeah all that space to roam mm. it can either make it way smaller than it is like a way smaller issue or way bigger and scarier yeah. and when someone's telling you you're gonna have a bag on your stomach and that's how you'll go to the bathroom it went way bigger yeah um, I think also in all fairness hospital that was 40 some odd years ago they're much better at it now uh what I've kind of heard is they're much better at it it's still not excellent but it's much better yeah much better. I think um you know, and my mind was so, I, I was on so many painkillers and so depleted that I don't even know exactly what I was taking. And I don't remember my dad explaining it to me at all, Suzanne. Yeah. That might've been a protective thing that it was too much for me to take in at the time, but I, I have a lot of vivid memories and that I don't remember. Yeah. All. Yeah. So, um, I think they're much better at doing that now, but yes, having all that it's, if you treat people with some, it's almost like humanity. They're, they're mm. little, they're little people. They're not little yeah. idiots. Right. Yeah. So you yeah. have to be careful about how you phrase things when kids are little, you don't want to scare them off, but some truth is yeah. I, remember, I remember when I told my son, the way babies were born and his jaw dropped. I did a lot of things in the car because they were, you know, they're captured audience in the car. And yeah. he was just looking. 
that like, yeah, I, I used, I've never shied away from using the real words like yeah. uh, anatomy. I haven't, I'm very open about all that stuff because I'd rather he learns it from me than some like miss facts yeah. shared with him in the playground. Right. And I'd rather he'd be able to come to me and ask me questions and not be afraid that I'll go, Oh, well, you know, we can't, we can talk about that. I've been like that with everything with him. I'm lucky that he's, you know, not gone down the path with, you know, alcohol and drugs and all that. So but I've made it very clear. If I can't ask, answer your questions, I'll find out for you. Yeah. Don't ever be afraid about asking me things. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. This is it. These and there. I didn't ask many questions in hospital. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Right. Yeah. But and again, they're different times. They're different times. But I think the and even though you were in hospital, they are their reminders to us as people, as parents, that it's okay. You know that the that these other people have been in these situations before us. This is all right to do. You know that. And, and even, for example, in adult conversations, you know, I'm that person who, you know, you can be having a conversation and someone might, for example, say, oh, yes, I've had an ostomy. And a lot of people might be sitting there going, okay, I have no idea what that is. I'll have to look that up when I get home. <laughs> I'm that person who's like, I'm sorry, I don't know what an ostomy is. You know, it's. Yeah, I so appreciate that. There's, there's no, there's no harm in asking and trying to figure it out. So yeah, I just think these, they're life lessons. Take the life lessons, people. <laughs> <laughs> now, as well in the book, and you've mentioned it here as well, you talk a lot about perspective. And one of the quotes there was perspective has really helped ground me. Now, I guess again, there's multiple layers to this convert to this to this. But how did you develop such an amazing perspective on things? And and I'm and again, how did you then? I feel like that comes across because I even had I had a friend who before I'd even started reading the book, she saw the book on my coffee table, and she looked at it and she went, "Gosh, I really love the title of that book." She just went why not me? Why not me? And I went, I know, right? <laughs> you know, we're so often probably in our minds, we ca we might catch ourselves saying, why me? Why has it happened to me? Why today? You know, how do you have such amazing perspective on life? <laughs> um, so why not me? No, you captured it really well. So the, the title of the book was very intentional. So it even has perspective. So it's, why not me? Like, why not me? People are like, oh, you must feel like, why me with all these things? I truly don't. I I never did with the ostomy, even at 11, I didn't think why me? I just wanted to adapt and figure out how I was gonna live this life with an ostomy. But the other side of why not me, and this is more related to sharing the story and being in my fifties is why not me? Like, why can't I do these good things too? Why can't I write a book? You know, why can't I horseback I ride that. again in my fifties? Why? So that even has perspective, but the, the first one was definitely why not me? Like why anybody, Suzanne, what mm. makes you so special to think that you're not 
going to have a bad day or that your autoimmune system is messed up. I didn't do anything to deserve it. It just, it's kind of just the way the universe worked, right? So um, the title of my book, the subtitle of my book is The Power of Perspective. And that's why I have that little quote about the kaleidoscope. Yeah, it's the subtitle. It's the power. I truly believe in the power of perspective. And I think if, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about life lessons, I think if more people utilize that and put things in perspective when they're thinking about things and all the things you can do. So, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that because I have MS. Like I can't run anymore. Okay, so I can't run anymore. I can still walk. I can swim. I can horseback ride. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm still here living a really full life. So I don't I don't focus on the fact I can't run anymore. To be perfectly honest, I don't really miss running. <laughs> so <laughs> it can be really know. painful. <laughs> it's easier to say because I can't do it anymore, but honestly, like uh, perspective wise. And I, I also have that little quote about kaleidoscopes at the beginning. So I did that about perspective too. A friend actually found that quote because in the, in the book, my aunt gives me a kaleidoscope and I look through it and the hospital rooms were so dull and dreary. And I was in a lot of pain and everything else. And I'd look through that kaleidoscope and it was just like a, you know, from a toy store or something. And everything would be all bright and all these different colors swirling around and you'd see beauty. Yeah. You'd see beauty in this awful, there were awful days and it was not bright in those rooms. They were badly decorated, like all those things. And I, you know, I don't, I didn't think about it that much then, but like even that little thing as a kid, again, it was just organic. And I had family that and good friends who treated me no differently. Um, so my perspective didn't change like, oh, you know, now my parents say I can't do this and my friends don't want to be with me. Yeah, you coddled. Yeah. No, yeah. So we, I, you know, as soon as I was healed up, you know, I started going back to school and we went to Vermont that Christmas to be with my family. And like, it didn't, we didn't stop yeah because we just and I so sometimes we did soldier on which has its its benefits and its downfalls so that's perspective also I gained a lot through doing therapy because I had I subscribed to this thing <laughs> where it was like oh my illness has made me stronger and blah 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 and I didn't talk about all the pain mm -hmm. that I went through and so it really rounded out my perspective in talking about all of it, the good and the bad and how the bad helped shape the good. And, but I think from a little kid early on, uh, you know, when I come home from hospital that first time, everything looks so wonderful. Yes. Yes. But that was my perspective. It was truly, it wasn't about where I come from. Yeah. So, oh my goodness, everything is even better than before. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that was just truth to me. No one, no one. So people's minds do work differently too. But I think also the way I've been brought up was not to be why me. I, I don't think I said why me. I can't ever recall Saying Which is incredible. Yeah. I maybe I I had a couple of thoughts like, 
maybe I must have somewhere along the way. I must have, but it's not, it's not how my brain works because I don't feel like I saw enough things in hospital too. Yeah. I shared a room with a girl who has cancer. I, she might not be here anymore. Mm. I'm here Mm. living this great life. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and you talk about, I don't need to have it worse, but you know, yeah, but I, I, I think one of the, another thing I loved was the relationship you had and had with your therapist and again, just like showing that that's not a bad thing. You know, I've, I've seen a therapist before. I, I think that, and, and now I, I don't actually see a therapist, but I have friends who I actually say it's, this is my therapy session. You know, we are therapy for each other because you have that sort of relationship. And I just, I so think that I know the importance of that because you can't, you know, Chris and I have this conversation. We've had it very often as well. You can't, for example, necessarily talk everything out with your partner. You know, you can't necessarily talk everything out with your mother, whoever it is there, you know, sometimes there needs to be someone who is a bit outside that you're having those conversations with. And there's nothing, there's nothing bad about it. There's nothing shameful about it. No. And I think for so many years, there was a stigma about therapists. There really was. Um, Luckily, my family didn't have that. So I Mm. didn't grow up with that. Um, I knew, I, I think I was worried about being a burden. So, and I had lots, you know, I didn't even know exactly what I was going to talk about in therapy until I got there. I just knew I was feeling sad and I knew it wasn't wiring in my brain. I knew I needed to let some things out. It was, I can't remember what podcast it was of yours. I think it was a psychologist. When you talk about saying things out loud, yeah, I have a thing where I always think it's like letting air out of a balloon mm. slowly, right? So it's like this thing that seems really big and it just deflates it when you say it out loud and either have someone mirror it. All Sometimes all they have to do is listen and say, say what you said back to them, you know, the whole mirroring yeah. thing. Or if you actually want advice, then you ask for it. But with therapy, it's more about just saying it out loud and like a parent kind of they guide you to where you need to get to. And for me, it was acknowledging the pain. Yeah. It was not, therapy was not fun. It was really hard work. Yeah. When I started mucking through, it was, it was mucking and it was a long time and there was a lot there. And um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely made me stronger. Yeah. It, de- it definitely didn't say saying it- out loud. It, yeah, it did. It's not a weakness, you know, <laughs> saying I, I never saw it as one. I know some people do. I yeah. never saw it as one. I, no. saw it as one. I saw it. That's the only thing I feel brave about. I don't, yeah. I don't feel, I really truly don't feel brave about dealing with my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, honestly, I don't, but I, I, cause it's, it's just life for you. You're just like, life. It's yeah. just my life. That's yeah. right. But yeah. The therapy was hard work and I went at it a long time until I actually felt like I had made really good progress. And I, and I connected 
luckily, again, luck of the draw, we just were a really good match, my therapist and I. Yeah. Because that's, yeah. that's a big, big part of it. That's it. Is that's that's it too. I think that's that's very that's very key. And it's okay. It's okay yeah. to say we're not a match. Yes. Can I, you know, I'm gonna to have to go to somewhere else. So um you know, those, those are important things for people to hear, you know, yes, you might have an experience with someone where you're like, Oh, <laughs> what was that all about? Maybe it's not sure. the right person for you. Mm-hmm. Um, now I love leaving the listeners with a bit of a life message. Again, I feel like if you haven't got some life messages out of this already, I don't know what's going on, <laughs> you haven't been listening well enough, enough listeners, but again, <laughs> There are so many quotes in this book. As you can see, I said to Lindsay, wait till you see all of my <laughs> post-it notes. Look at this. I mean, this, you is, kidding. this is my crazy woman because, yes, I, I do. This is, as everyone knows, whoever sees any of my books, I can't help myself. I'm, and my son is like, but mom, you're not like writing an essay on the book. Because <laughs> even if I'm not interviewing the person, I do, I put post-it notes and I go, but David, I just... I just want to come back to those things. They mean something to me. So anyway, you talk about, you say something in re- in regards to you value your inner strength now as a human and a woman. You make sure you're seen and your voice is heard. I mean, obviously for me, that relates to voices to dream as well, because I really do. You know, it's about, for me, it is, it's about telling our stories using our voice, understanding that we all have a voice for a reason, you know, and I know it's a bit of a cliche as well sometimes because, I mean, I we all say it, if I have helped one person, then that'll be enough. But yet, you know, with like more than one follower on Instagram. <laughs> but for example, recently I had a, I had a, an instance where, okay, this is like, I, I tried pole dancing here and I absolutely loved it. And and I, so I've done it a few times and I happened to tell a particular friend who's going through a hard time and she was so inspired that she went out and joined a pole dancing class in, a, in the US. So fun. It was, and she just came back and she was so filled with, exactly what I what I was hoping she would be like she's like I was so filled with joy and empowerment and I felt sexy as a woman you know it didn't have to do with having a man with me it was it was that and truly in that moment I wrote back to her and I said you know what even if I only did this to inspire you to do that and that is giving you that feeling then what a blessing this is you know? So anyway, (laughs) that's, I guess, male, female, what sort of lesson would you like to, what what would you like to leave our listeners with? Oh, we've talked about so many things. I know. (laughs) No, it's good. It's great. I feel like, well, there's probably two things. Uh, I feel like if you do the best that you can on any given day and you don't worry about what that looks like to someone else so for me when I'm having an MS attack sometimes I can only do 
you know, five minutes of yoga, which, and seated yoga, that stretching, it might sound like nothing to people who are listening, but for me, it's a step forward in the right direction. And it makes me feel like I'm doing something for me and I'm building towards a positive future or, Mm -hmm. you know, strengthening myself. You're not judging yourself. I'm not judging myself and I'm not worried about what other people will think if I tell them what I did today. Right. So this is going to lead to, okay, maybe there's a few things. (laughs) I love it. Being being kind to yourself. So that leads into being kind to yourself and kind to others, because as we've talked about before, and I won't get into it, you don't know what other people are going through. So the empathy thing, it's, I I'm saying that's a terrible way to put it, but having empathy is extremely important. And I think the longer I've been on this planet, the more I, I truly realize the importance of gratitude. Yeah. So being thankful for what you have. And it helps you see your world and the world and other people's situations in a whole fresh light. So even if you wake up feeling grumpy or I'm, you know, I'll use myself as an example, I'm not having a great day with my MS, I make sure and I do it very intentionally to list three things I'm grateful for. Yeah. Just at the start of my day. And then it usually, my list goes so long because it can be really big or it can be really micro, right? It can be like so small or it can be, oh, the love of my family. There you go. We know I'm lucky to have that for sure. Lots of people will list that first on their list, but it can be like very small things. My husband bringing my tea to me in the morning, like just it reframes your brain. Yeah. And I think it really works. And there's been a lot of talk about that, but it, genuinely works and yeah. if you really believe it I'm not doing it to be Pollyanna-ish and be like oh yeah I'm not trying to follow the trends I this is what I've done over the years and I think it's been just natural for me to do it a lot of the time but now I can be very intentional about listing the things when I do have bad days and I swear to you it it does reframe my brain and it I get out of bed with a a very positive look on things. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't have bad days, Suzanne. We all have bad days. (laughs) Again, not being Pollyanna-ish. And I'm not, and I don't want to sugarcoat the bad days, but I really feel like you can always find something to be grateful for. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, it's, uh, (laughs) gratitude is like one of the biggest things in my life. And one of the things that, I mean, this is just a tip, from me. I don't know if I've, I might've mentioned it on podcasts before, but I, I mean, I've done it at lots of different stages, but I'm still doing it now, actually. I mean, especially on your worst days, gratitude's often, I mean, which makes sense. Gratitude can be the hardest, but that's where as well, it can be helpful to have accountability there. Mm-hmm. So for example, I have a friend in Australia who I, send we we send our gratitude to each other oh I love that so before we go to we do at the other end of the day but before we go to bed at night and yes we do skip it sometimes but I am particularly aware that on a bad day I'm like like the kids will say mom you know and, and I'm so tired or whatever but I'm like you know what I'm doing my gratitude then I'm going to sleep and sometimes I sit there and I'm like oh seriously what am I even grateful for today <laughs> but, but again, having to knowing that I'm going to do it 
and just taking that moment to think. And sometimes it'll be very specific and sometimes I'm very vague, but I actually really love the vague days as well. Or, you know, sometimes it might be just, you know, I'm grateful. Um, I'm grateful for people listening to me. You know, yeah, and, uh, you know, so you don't necessarily have to explain every detail to the other person, but I, I truly think that that, and I guess that's my challenge girl part of me coming out, <laughs> but it's a great challenge to do with people because again, the friendship, that's how this friendship started with this, with this girl, this woman that I, um, that I messaged, we actually started because she was having a hard time. And I said, why don't we do a gratitude challenge? And it was, it's become a beautiful way for us to understand each other as well. And again, to understand what's going on in other people's days. So whether you're writing these things down, doing it with someone else, making yourself accountable, they just help, you know, they're, <laughs> they're just helpful in they, life. They do. I, and I really like how you end the day with it. Cause I tend to start my day with it, but it's real. I like that switching it up and ending your day with it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, and I, was, I was like, Oh, I like starting the day with it because then maybe that puts me in a better mood to start the day. But you know, we all, we do, we have our little things, you know, I, my latest thing, I don't know. I, one day I wrote a tweet because, and I was, I was like, you know what? I feel like I have a better day when I floss. <laughs> and so now every morning I clean my teeth and I'm like, oh, I don't want to floss. And I go, Suzanne, you have a better day when you floss. <laughs> you see, that's your little hack. So if it, and then how easy is that? I, I use those little funny, like flossers. Yeah. Yes. That is the thing. And yes, I do. I'm like, the day's always better when you floss. Make sure I floss and I have a better day. <laughs> or I think. <laughs> You're just taking care of yourself too. Right. However that looks to people. That's right. Whether it's taking the moment to do your gratitude check, floss, you know, do your little stretches in the morning yes. or have your cup of tea or coffee with your quiet time. Like there's, I, the list is endless of yeah. what people do. I think they're really important things yes. to do. And checking in with yourself because that's yes. what it is as well, isn't it? We're saying the yes. importance of checking in with other people, but it's also checking in with yourself. Absolutely. And it can be a really hard thing to remember to do, particularly when you're busy Yes, and you're life is moving like that. I will, this is a podcast, but when you're like, life is moving <laughs> super fast, my hands are going yeah. a mile a minute. But when you're, when your life is moving at rocket speed, it can be really hard to take the time to do that. So whether it's in the car or in the shower or wherever you have to be, yeah, you know, quiet for a minute, yeah, turn down the radio, That's just, right. you know, do, do whatever you need to do just to take a few moments to check in with yourself. I think it's, I think it's key. That's right. Now her name is Lindsay Ireland. She's got her memoirs out. Why not me? Now, Lindsay, again, just for everyone to know, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, independent bookstores. They can order it in for you. If you're in the Bahamas, once, once Lindsay actually comes back after the summer, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be able to get it from her as well and I'm sure she might even sign a copy for you 
Yes. Which I'm going to have to, I've got to get you to sign my copy because I, I actually, would love to, I stole honest. Bonnie's copy from her. <laughs> <laughs> but how can, and where can our listeners find out about you? How can they stay in touch with you? Um, I'm on Instagram as mm-hmm. Lindsay underscore likes underscore to write W-R-I-T-E. I'm on Facebook, Lindsay Ireland. Uh, I have a blog, lindsayireland.com. And I should say too, the book will be available on audio, Audible. I know a lot of people like to listen Fabulous. to things. So it was really nice. The woman who's recording it, she's some actress in Chicago, reached out to me and said, you know, just wanted to connect. I'm doing the reading for your book. Yeah. So that will be available on Amazon too. How the exciting. Audible. I think by the end of this month, I'll put it on Instagram as soon as that's available. Because I know that that's the way a lot of people it like to, to read, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are those are ways you can get in touch with me. And uh, yeah, I think that I think that covers it. I don't think there's anything else. <laughs> well, it is it was so beautiful to have you on. And just so everyone knows, Lindsay and I have already organized that once she gets back, we're actually going to have a little bit of a shopping trip together. <laughs> this, yeah, this podcast is just also a way for me to make more friends. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what? It's not that easy to make friends when you move to a new country, right? So I'm grateful for that too. And I, I'm grateful to join a book club, your book club too. Yeah. Thank we'll you. read more and talk about other people's books. I know. I know. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so grateful to have you here. And yeah, I'm so grateful for your bravery in telling your story. You know, it's it's so important. And everyone. Go get Why Not Me. Read it. You'll love it. And I'm just going to say, with every book, with every podcast as well, comments, reviews, likes, shares, they're really important. They really are. So I'm going to be getting on and I'll actually be writing a review for Mariah and me. And then then I will be putting it on um, Amazon and Goodreads as well. So... Truly, anyone, no matter what book, but especially Lindsay's, especially with this podcast, (laughs) hop on, like, review, share. It means a lot, especially on things like Amazon. Once you get to a certain level, it means that the the author gets promoted more as well. So it's really important. Um, Yeah, that's my little community announcement to get people moving. (laughs) Thank you for that it does mean a lot and I don't think a lot of people realize that so um they don't and and often people just think that liking or hearting is enough but very often it's actually it's actually the comments that mean the most because a bot yeah a bot can like things but Mm -hmm. a bot doesn't normally actually leave comments so that's where it's really appreciated thank you so much thank you for listening everyone and I will see you again soon Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you for having me, Suzanne.